Merry Christmas. It's good to be here in the house of the Lord this morning on Christmas Day. I was thinking that it doesn't, it probably only comes around every seven, seven years or so that we're actually in the Lord's house on Christmas Day. So it is a special time. And uh, I'm glad for all of you that are here. The visitors, welcome. I see there's a number of you that are visiting and we're grateful for that as well. There's a number of our people that are, that are gone. So we're glad for your presence. Thank you, Elliot, for those songs. It's, it's a, a wonderful experience to sing. A lot of those are scripture, the, the words directly from scripture. Uh, when we just, the last song we sang, the, we sang this, the scripture that's in Isaiah, the wonderful, the counsel of the mighty God. Um, a beautiful rendition of, of who we are celebrating this morning. Let's pray as we get come to this, this part of the service, and um, the service today is a bit different maybe in the fact that we, we will have uh, a message and then, then Sunday school time uh, speaking on Christmas together as a group. So um, let's pray and ask God to join us here this morning. Lord, this morning, this Lord's Day, this Christmas Day, we come before you this morning, and this is a celebration of, of you and of your willingness to sacrifice and come and be born in a stable for our sake. And so this morning, Lord, as we worship, as we sing, as we, as we read the scriptures and as we contemplate the sacrifices you made, help us, Lord, to be uh, mindful and, and that you would receive our praise for what has happened. Help us to think not only of that time when you came, but also the time when you will come again. And uh, we just ask, Lord, that you be in our midst, that you would guide our thinking and our words and my lips. And would our hearts be open to receive what you have for us. By your Holy Spirit, would you stir amongst us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. One of the wonderful things about Christmas is getting together with family, and, and uh, it's a wonderful time of year. So many memories in, are made at this time of year, traditions that are kept. I know we've kept things in our family uh, over the years that we do, and we look forward to them as a, as a family, and it's not something maybe that anybody else does, but we do, and uh, so it's special. We have, uh, you have lights and tins. And all the, the fun things that happen, food, and as one of the songs say, it's the most wonderful time of year. Some of the fondest memories are made at Christmas time. As Christians, it is a wonderful time of year, and we celebrate, and we enjoy it, and we sing, and we praise God, but it takes on a much deeper meaning than, than the commercialized side of Christmas it's more than the lights and the gifts. I believe we all are there. It's because it's the time that we celebrate our Savior having come. And uh, we, uh, as we consider that, let's see if I can get this thing going. As I, this Christmas season, uh, knowing that... Uh, it was uh, time for a message on Christmas Day. 
during Christmas, so it, it needs to be some sort of a, a Christmas message. And I, I struggled a bit on what, what do people, what do you all expect to be in a Christmas message? And uh, the thoughts that were coming to my mind is the fact that our Savior came during this time, but He didn't come. Uh, in the, uh, the clean, exciting times that we have when we celebrate Christmas. It was, uh, well, Philippians 2 says that, that, that He humbled Himself. It says in Philippians 2, verses 2 through 6, uh, 6 through 8, who, Jesus, referring to Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. In John, it says that the Word was, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and it became flesh. That was Jesus. He was in the form of God, thought it not, equal, not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself no reputation. This is Jesus coming for our sakes now. And took on the form of a servant was made in the likeness of men, like us, skin, flesh and blood, and bones, and muscle, all the things that we have. He had, he was in the form of a man, in the likeness of men. And then in verse 8 it says, and being found in the fashion of a man, as a man, he humbled himself. The verse goes on and says he humbled himself uh, and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. There is a part of his coming that was humbling to him. He was, he was God. He was, and we see here, as if we could step back, if, it were, if we were able to step back out of the universe and look down onto this whole thing from, from, from outer space, say, and have a perspective outside of the bubble, and we, we would look in and see Jesus coming. We see Isaiah saying, considering it this way, and his name shall be Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father. We think, wow, this is glorious. And it was. Of the increase of government and peace, there should be no end to, for his. But from the other angle, this is what we see that he humbled himself and came in humility as a man. The contrast that's there, that's the things that have been, there's a tension, there's a tension there. Mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, humble servant man. And that tension is what I've, I've been thinking about here in the last weeks. Why was there tension? Why, why would he do that to... He, did, he didn't have to do that, did he? He entered into a cruel and wicked world in a time when the comforts were not like they are today. The, the houses didn't have insulation. or I assume they didn't. And they didn't have insulated walls and windows. And it was drafty and cold and it was different. We're grateful for houses with insulation here of late. It's really chilly outside, really cold. But Jesus came into a world, he humbled himself to come into a world that didn't have nearly, nearly the amenities that we have today. For, for God to send his only begotten son into the world, 
there had to be a purpose. This wasn't just a whim. This wasn't just a, you know, I have an idea. Because the, the humbling that he had to, to do to himself, to voluntarily do for himself to come, there had to be a purpose. It wasn't, an, it wasn't a random act. So what, if we analyze, we see this glorious King of kings and Lord of lords humbling himself to be as a servant. What, why? What was the purpose? And that's what we'd like to look at this morning a little bit. What was his pur- purpose? Why did Jesus accept the Father's call to come and to take on flesh? I'm ask this of you. Help me out here. What purpose do you see? What, why did Jesus take on that call? Just speak it out. What, what are, there might be several answers, but go ahead. He came to seek and save that which was lost. Okay. A way to the Father. Okay. That's right. Someone else. To crush the head of the serpent. Okay. There, there, was, uh, there was something hanging over man that needed, we needed his help. He came to be our Savior. In Isaiah 59, this verse has always, I think there's meaning packed in here that I have no idea of. It says there in Isaiah 59, He, God, and He saw that there was no man, he saw there was no man. Another place in, in uh, Ezekiel, it says that, I, I jotted that verse down as well. It says in Ezekiel that, and he sought for a man among them that would stand in the hedge and stand in the, that would build up the hedge and stand in the gap. And it says, and he found no one. He found none. He, he, God wanted someone to stand in the gap so that he wouldn't destroy the land. And he, found, he didn't find anybody to do that. And here in, in Isaiah, he says, and he saw that there was no man. There was, and then it says, and he wondered. That phrase just grips me. That God, in all his knowledge and knowing, looked down and he wondered that there was no intercessor. I can just imagine God telling to himself, they, they are so needy and there is nobody praying for the other man for themselves. There, there, there is nobody there. There's no man. There is no intercessor. And therefore, his arm, God's arm brought salvation. That's Jesus that he brought. Because there was no one that could do it. There was no way. There was no one that could save us from ourselves. And there was no one that was praying for us. And yet today, we, he sent Jesus. And now it, he ever lives to intercede for us. He is interceding with the Father even today for us. He sent us this intercessor. And He intercedes on our behalf yet today. That is our Savior. That is, that is the purpose of Jesus coming. That is our Jesus. That is the true meaning of Christmas. That Jesus came. Christ came with a purpose. And that was that He would, he would save us from our sins. And He would intercede for us before the Father. The purpose of of his first coming was to prepare us for his second coming. That's the theme that was in my mind this whole 
time of studying. The purpose of his first coming was to prepare us for his second coming. There was no way for us to get to be ready for a second coming except that he came the first time. I don't know what you like to hear for a Christmas message or what you expect. But this is the idea that's been through my mind. Jesus, Jesus was born in difficult times. He was born in a difficult situation. The Romans were cruel and ruthless. And many of them were unkind and they took advantage of the people that, they were, that were subject to them. And Bethlehem was small and dingy and dirty and there was no room in the inn for Jesus. That's what he came into. That's what he humbled himself to come into. There was no room in the inn. Here was the King of kings and the Lord of lords and there was no one to welcome him. No one. God sent his angels to proclaim it to the, to, to the shepherds or they wouldn't have came. He placed a bright star over them or the wise men wouldn't have known that he came. No one would have found them in this little town of Bethlehem because, well, that's a good question. Why not? Why would nobody have known that here was the Savior coming and nobody knew about it except for the angels or the, or, or, or the, or the star? It was a dark time. Spiritually, it was a dark time. It was a time when they knew there was a Messiah. They, they knew of. They knew of a Messiah that would come. But were they ready for him? Were they expecting him? Were they watching for him? It doesn't, seem as, it doesn't appear as though they were. Life took all the energy they had, and they didn't have enough energy to, to, for spiritual energy to be ready for this king of kings that was coming, this, this Messiah that was, coming, that was coming. The angels came, but they came because the angels told them. I mean, excuse me, the shepherds came because the angels told them. There was Anna. She was at the temple, the widow that lived at the temple, waiting for, the, for her eyes to behold this, this Savior. And there was Simeon in the temple. We read about him in Luke 2. We might study a, a bit about him this morning in our Sunday school time. They were the only ones that we hear that were really waiting for Jesus to come. They were anticipating. In my way of thinking, there was no one there that came to welcome him. No one. We sing songs now of how... The, the, the beautiful songs we sang this morning, the moment, the hope that, it, that comes, and, and uh, I too appreciate the emphasis that Ryan had last week, the phrase, um, and Ryan's not here this morning, but thank you, Ryan, that, a powerful, powerful phrase. The thrill of hope, the world rejoices. That's what Jesus brought. That's what he came. But at that moment, there was no one there to feel that hope. Mary and Joseph were alone in the stable. If you have your Bibles, you're welcome to turn with me. I have, I have it also on the screen. Uh, Galatians chapter 4 is the, the, the theme verse that I have this morning. Galatians chapter 4. It says there that speaking of Christ's coming, It was when the fullness of time was come. That's the phrase that's been sticking with me. Let's consider this phrase. In Galatians chapter 4, verse 4, it says, 
When the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his Son, made of a woman. It goes on and says that he was, he was made under the law. God sent forth his, in the fullness of time, God sent forth his Son, made of a woman, made under the law. And this was, his pur- this was the purpose that he sent him, to, redu- to redeem them that were under the law. That was the purpose that God sent his Son that he might receive the adoption of sons. And because ye are sons, God sent forth his spirit, the spirit of his Son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Therefore thou art no more servant, but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. When I consider this scripture, I see the reason why God sent, that he might redeem us, that he might adopt us as his sons, that we no longer would be servants, but we would be sons, heirs, because of Christ and what he has done. Ephesians 4, uh, 4 through 7. Excuse me, Galatians 4, 4 through 7. No more servants, but now we are sons. Because it was the fullness of time. That phrase stuck in my mind. We tend in our humanity to question God's timing sometimes. Why now, God? especially when it comes to our own situations. Why, why was I born at this time? I could have it would have been so much nicer in a different era. Or why this? Why that? Why now? We ask God, why me, God? 2,020-some years ago, the fullness of time came, and God, we read in Ephesians that he wondered there was no intercessor. There was no one. And he said within himself, This is not right. It's time that someone goes and the time is right for me to send my son. It was the fullness of time. The time had come that he would send. God who created time, who who lives outside of time, said now is the time. Everything was in its place. And who, when everything was, when the time was right, and God sent his son, to, the Savior, to redeem us. Who was there to greet him? There was no one there. The ox and the lamb. And there was no one. In general, people were oblivious to the time that was ha- what was happening around them. That God had said the fullness of time is now, and people didn't know. They didn't know that the fullness time, of time was there, that he would send his son. Take away the angel choir. Take away the star of Bethlehem. The light that the wise men saw. And life in Judea would have went on like every other day. Because they didn't know. They weren't ready. That brings me to the part of the sermon that's been nagging in my mind these past week, week or two. Would I have been ready to receive the Savior like Anna or Simeon? They anticipated. They were, they were longing for the Messiah that was promised. And they, 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 were, they were aware enough that they knew that he was coming. Would I have been aware enough to be expecting Jesus at his first coming? I don't know. And what does the Scripture talk to us about today? Today. That was, and that was 2,000 years ago. But what about today? We read in the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, and Luke. 
We are called, as Christians, we are called to watch and pray. Mark 13.33 says, Take heed, watch, and pray, for ye know not when the time is. Luke 21.36 Watch ye therefore and pray always, that ye may be accounted worthy to escape all those things which shall come to pass, and to stand before the Son of Man to stand before this same Jesus that came 2,000 years ago. And consider with me what it says in Ephesians 1, verse 9. He says there, Having made known unto us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he hath purposed within himself. And this is the mystery of his will that in the dispensation of the fullness of time, of times, that he might gather all things together, might, excuse me, he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which, which are on the earth, even in him. Unless we judge the people of Bethlehem, of Judea, living life as they knew it, let's consider this, that there will be another time when there is a fullness of time. The fullness of time came and Jesus was sent into the earth as a babe, as a man. He humbled himself and became a man like us to die and be our redeemer. And then he went back into glory and that's where he is today interceding for us even today. And then God says that that in the dispensation of the fullness of time, he plans to gather all things together again in Christ, both in heaven and in earth, even in him. So lest we judge the people of Bethlehem for not being ready, let's consider that we are in an interim time. We are, we're in a time when, when God is looking and measuring and deciding is the fullness of time again time and are we anticipating his second coming who is waiting with anticipation is it us is it me am i waiting with anticipation thinking you know jesus uh, our savior he's going to come again am i ready this is it folks God sent his son once as a babe, and he will send him again as a judge. And then God will, as, as it were, he'll, plug, he'll unplug the clock, and time will be no more. And I think that's the message I want you to get this morning. As we celebrate the first coming of Jesus, he came to prepare us for his second coming. And are we living life oblivious to the fact that there will come another time when there is the fullness of time, the fullness of times, and God will send his son the second time. Are we ready? We feel like we are the end of the world. I mean, it could be any time. We feel like it could be in our lifetime, right? I think most of us would say it could be. Are we ready for his second coming? The first fullness of time was for our redemption. The second fullness of time will be a time of reconciliation. We will pay for the deeds that we have done in our lives. Reconciliation. 
First time he, was a, he came as a babe, the second time he will come as a judge. But that is the thrill of hope that we can have, that we owed a debt that we could not pay, and he came and paid a debt that he did not owe. That's the thrill that we can have. And now we can, with anticipation, wait and anticipate his second coming. More significant than the first Christmas. His second coming will be the end of time. And Christmas, let's not forget in all the fanfare, in all the, all the, the lights and the, and the tinsel and the gifts and the food of Christmas time, that he is coming again. The purpose, the purpose of his first coming was to provide a way a Savior, a Redeemer, for His second coming in that fullness of time. Let's pray. Lord, time goes so fast. One year to the next goes so quickly. And we we talk about that even, Lord. That You... came as a babe to redeem us. You became our Redeemer, our Savior, the Prince of Peace. And now, Lord, we anticipate your second coming. When will it be, Lord? We don't know. But the Scripture says, when God says the fullness of time has come again, that he will send you again. And you will not be a babe, but you will be a king upon your throne. And you'll be a judge of all mankind. And we will all stand before you. And all, every knee shall bow, we know. And so, Lord, help us to be ready, to be anticipating the second coming as we celebrate your first coming. Lord, we ask that you would give us wisdom as we live our lives. Give us consideration of direction. Which way is my life pointing, Lord? And help us to be those that are anticipating your second coming, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.